from the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Welcome to this Tuesday edition of Washington Watch. Thanks so much for joining us. Well, coming up, House Speaker Mike Johnson convened House Republicans earlier today for a discussion on the best way to fund the government and to avoid a shutdown. Now, following the meeting, Speaker Johnson told the press to, hey, take a deep breath. Republicans are going to take care of business. We made a commitment that we will get back to the the business of actually passing appropriations bills. That has not been done here in a long, long time, as you all know. And so 12 separate appropriations bills moving through the process in regular order. We're running up against the clock on November 17th, and we're obviously aware of that. But we are, we are going to get the job done, and we're taking care of that business. But, of course, the message from the Senate is not one of taking care of business. Republicans inject partisanship into otherwise bipartisan priorities. That is only going to make it harder to avoid a shutdown, pass Israel aid, pass Ukraine aid, pass humanitarian aid for Gaza, and all of our other priorities. That, of course, was the Senate scare leader Chuck Schumer essentially saying if Republicans won't fund the left's priorities, the government is going to shut down. Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson joins us in just a moment. We'll also get the senator to weigh in on news that President Biden has urged Israel to pause their battle against Hamas for three days. That doesn't sound like a pause. That sounds like a ceasefire. Also on the Senate side, some Republican senators have launched an effort to stop U.S. funds that aid Hamas. And this includes funds that flow through the United Nations Relief and Works Agency for Palestinian Refugees, or UNRWA, which we've discussed many times on this program. Now, a report just released reveals that members of UNRWA publicly, publicly celebrated the October 7th massacre of Israeli civilians. Now, this is an agency that has gotten $1 billion from the U.S. since President Biden became president. Senator Pete Ricketts of Nebraska joins us with more. And back over in the House today, a resolution to censure Rashida Tlaib for her anti-Semitic comments was on the House floor. It is a sad fact, but this type of anti-Semitic hate is being promoted by a small group of members in this body, chiefly Representative Tlaib. We must hold her accountable. That was Georgia Congressman Rich McCormick on the House floor about an hour ago. He'll join us later on Washington Watch. Speaking of anti-Semitism, you often hear about following the money trail to determine the source. A report released this week by the new... Uh, Network Contagion Research Institute found that 200 American colleges and universities illegally withheld information on approximately $13 billion in undisclosed contributions from foreign regimes. The report found that these institutions had on average 250 percent more anti-Semitic incidents than other institutions of higher learning. A coincidence? FRC Senior Fellow for Education Studies Meg Kilgannon will join me later to connect the dots. All right, just a reminder, several states have elections today. Some of the big ones are governor's races in Mississippi and Kentucky. New Jersey, New York, Virginia have uh, legislative races and other races on the ballot. If you've not yet voted, be sure and vote. To get a voter guide, text GUIDE to 67742. That's GUIDE to 67742, and you'll get a link where you can get a personalized voter guide. Our word for today comes from 2 Timothy chapter 1. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. 
Paul's telling Timothy to rekindle the gift that God had given him. You know, we're not called to be passive in our faith, but active. And Paul says, do not operate in fear. Now, this is a different word for fear than we normally see in the New Testament. This word is more accurately translated as cowardice. Paul is telling Timothy, don't be a coward. Stand firm for the faith. To find out more about our journey through the Bible, go to frc.org Bible. With yet another potential government shutdown arriving in just 11 days, Speaker of the House Mike Johnson met with Republicans in conference this morning to discuss possible avenues to extend government funding while continuing to work on the appropriations bills. Well, in the Senate, Democrats appear intent on springing another massive spending package on the country, an all-too-familiar year-end pattern. But with just weeks, just a few legislative weeks remaining in 2023, How could this all play out? Well, joining me to discuss this and much more, Senator Ron Johnson from Wisconsin. He serves on the Senate Budget Committee, the Senate Finance Committee, and the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Senator Johnson, welcome back to the program. Always great to see you. Hello, Tony. Glad to be back. So uh, first, uh, news just coming out uh, about the president's request of Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu for a three-day pause in Israel's efforts to rid the threat of Hamas. That doesn't sound like a pause. That sounds like a ceasefire. Well, what we ought to do is we ought to support Israel and their ability to, in their right to defend itself and to destroy Hamas and leave it up to Israel in terms of how they're going to go about doing that. I mean, they, Israel's fully aware of, uh, you know, the public pressure they're going to be under. Uh, they are going to do everything they can to avoid civilian casualties. Uh, they gave, uh, uh, Palestinians all the time in the world to get to out of out of the uh, uh, the war zone. Uh, unfortunately, Hamas didn't allow an awful lot of people to get out because they like using their own citizens as, as human shields. That's the type of people that uh, uh, Israel's fighting. We need to let them take the fight to Hamas the way they determine and not interfere with them. Support them, stand alongside them. A part of that is the uh, funding package that the House uh, has advanced. But now in, in the Senate, we see Senator Schumer, the Senate leader, the Democratic leader, wanting to bundle all of these things together, uh, refusing to bring to the floor the bill from the House that provided $14.3 billion in aid to Israel. What's going to happen there in the Senate? Well, first of all, Senate Republicans have to realize that uh, in the House, we have a majority. Uh, we're in the minority in the Senate. And so the natural Republican leader is the Speaker of the House in the House. And we need to support him and not undermine him. And he's let us know. He came to lunch last week to certainly convey to the senators what his challenges were and ask for our support. And one of the things he told us is he cannot pass a you know, combined supplemental. It's got to be bit by bit. And so he passed the support for Israel. I completely agree with that. Plus, he paid for it. What, what a novel concept. Uh, you know, take a few billion dollars out of the IRS's budget so they, they don't have quite the ability to harass middle-class Americans and actually pay for the support for Israel. So I think we should be su- completely supportive of his efforts and supportive of Israel. Uh, the fact of the matter is the supplemental that uh, is proposed by the president, it, there's controversial elements in that. It's, it's going to take time to pass that. I'm not sure Israel has that time, so let's move the Israel package first. And then anything we do, for example, to support Ukraine, absolutely must be attached to real border security with benchmarks. 
Uh, you know, we've got a group of Republicans working on, on strong border security provisions. I, I support that. But we have a president that wants an open border and is is lawless. I mean, cannot be expected to faithfully execute the laws we passed. So we need to hold his feet to the fire by actually having benchmarks tied to the funding levels. So let me ask you this, Senator Johnson, is that shared among your Republican colleagues? Because if you stick together, you can probably accomplish that. We had a very good discussion at lunch today, and I'm encouraged. I, I think enough of us realize that uh, just passing the right language in a law is not going to work for this president. So table stakes is going to be benchmarks so that uh, over 12 months, and that's what I suggested, it, it took President Trump 12 months from the absolute peak of his border crisis, by the way, caused by the unlawful Deferred Action on Childhood Arrival Memorandum that Obama initiated, uh, but it took him 12 months to go from his peak to his trough, where we only had uh, 17,500 people encountered, I think that was in April of 2020, um, before President Biden took over. And, and last month, we had 270,000 encounters at the southwest border. So it's a nine-day difference. It took Trump 12 months. I think we ought to expect the same thing out of uh, Biden is get Democrats to pass true border security language and then put benchmarks in there over 12 months to get us down to uh, you know, those uh, Trump numbers. Now, uh, back to the House Speaker and the fact that he came over spoke to Senate Republicans. Are you finding among your colleagues there in the Senate that they will uh, they're going to stand with the new speaker? Yeah, I think the speaker did a great job laying out uh, his challenges, laying out his principles. I mean, what, 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 a, what a concept to actually having governing principles and sticking to them. So no, I, I, I heard nothing but strongly positive uh, words after his uh, his uh, meeting with us uh, last week. And I'd expect strong support here in the Senate for his efforts. Uh, Senator, you're one of the, 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 the solid fiscal conservatives in the Senate, uh, constantly pounding away of uh, fiscal responsibility is needed, something that's a lost concept. I mean, we're now paying, I think we're approaching, what, a trillion dollars now just in interest on the, the national debt. Um, we're down to the wire on another CR. And you, you, heard, you may have heard the clip earlier that the, the Republicans met in the House. I talked to the Speaker last night. They're trying to find a way forward. Uh, but now you have the Senate saying they're going to combine the remaining nine funding bills all into one, another one of these huge spending packages. Wh what are we going to see there in the Senate? I often say this, uh, this is a grotesquely dysfunctional place, but we have a very well-honed process for plundering and mortgaging our children's future. And we're, we're seeing that play out. It's don't pass appropriation bills during the year, uh, come up to the end of the fiscal year, you know, claim crisis if we shut the government down, do a CR that expires before a holiday, and then drop a, a massive uh, uh, omnibus or nine-bill minibus on people's desks. You know, nobody reads it. They pass it real quick, and we forget about it. That's the cycle we're trying to break. So, I, again, completely support uh, Republicans in the House that want to do CRs long enough to allow the House to pass their appropriation bills what I would argue for the House is you get you have to give the Senate enough time to pass our bills as individually as possible and then conference the two. So uh, we certainly ought to do a CR that takes us past the end of the year right. so we don't have this pressure under Christmas break. Right. And then we may have to give ourselves some more time so that we can pass appropriation bills in a more thoughtful manner, giving them more scrutiny in both chambers and then conference those. It's the only way we start returning to regular order. If we do that, you know, in, let's say, January, February, March, 
we set ourselves up for actually having a true regular order process for funding fiscal year 2025 in April, May, June, July, August, September of next year. And I think that's exactly what the speaker is trying to do there in the House, to give them that time to get to get things back the way it should be. Final question for you, Senator Johnson. Before uh, entering into uh, the Senate into public life, you worked um, as an accountant for a time. Um, last week we had on the program Chairman Comer regarding the Biden family and the, this latest information from the bank records that uh, President Biden received $40,000, showed up in his bank account, just happened to be around the same time that the big guy was promised to get something. Uh, with that background, do you think that there is evidence there that we are seeing uh, evidence being revealed that suggests that there was corruption there with the vice, the former vice president? No, I thought Senator Grassley and I laid out enough evidence uh, certainly to convince uh, Anybody who looked at it, probably not to vote for Joe Biden, but that was covered up and censored by the media. Uh, it's very incriminating against the Bidens. You know, $40,000 just happens to be 10% for the big guy of the $400,000 payment. It's also incriminating in terms of the uh, mishandled or corrupt investigation by the FBI of the Bidens. Uh, Senator Grassley, as a whistleblower, said that the FBI had 40 different confidential human sources, uh, but they also had this thing called the Foreign Influence Task Force, seems their primary job was to what my staff calls catch and kill. Right. Identify derogatory information on the Bidens and then swoop into those offices and say, oh, it's just Russian disinformation, shut down yeah. your investigation. Uh, Senator, I shouldn't, have, well. I, I shouldn't have thrown and, that out with just, a, with just a minute left, but we'll finish that conversation another time. Thanks so much for uh, joining us. We've got to take a break. Folks, stick night. with us. We're back after this. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clawson, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroicfaith. 
Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to have you with us on this uh, Tuesday afternoon. Lots happening here in our nation's capital. We were actually talking about earlier word has uh, leaked out from the White House. Not maybe they announced it was it leaked out that uh, President Biden has called upon Prime Minister of Israel Benjamin Netanyahu to uh, to cease the war uh, against Hamas for three days uh, to pause. Uh, that's a ceasefire in my view, not a pause, but. Here, here's something else. Earlier today, there was an effort to, in the Senate to advance the funding, the aid package for Israel. Well, that was blocked by Senate Democrats. At the same time, the Senate Democrats want to continue to give money to Hamas. I mean, humanitarian aid, and they're still funding the United Nations and UNRWA, which is a very corrupt organization that we've talked about before. And as I stated at the top of the program, a new report out today uh, tracks where members of this U.N. agency for Palestinian aid celebrated the attack, the massacre on Israeli civilians on October the 7th. Well, there were some in the Senate that were that was all, that were already at work trying to defund Hamas. Joining me now is one of them, Senator Pete Ricketts from Nebraska. He serves on three Senate committees, including the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Senator Ricketts, uh, welcome back to Washington Watch. Great. Thank you very much for having me on. So first, your reaction to the Senate Democrats delaying aid to Israel. Well, this is just, sadly, another example of Democrats playing games with a very important topic. The package that the House passed was substantially what the president asked for with regard to aid to Israel. And I know it's a crazy idea. They actually wanted to pay for it by taking money out of the IRS. And so they're actually doing the fiscally responsible thing. And yet the Senate Democrats blocked it because they didn't like it. They want their package. They're playing political games. This is a war. People are dying. Hamas committed unspeakable acts of terror, atrocities, barbarism. And yet the Senate Democrats are blocking giving aid to Israel. It's just what's wrong in Washington, D.C. Now, Senator, last month, end of last month, you introduced legislation, uh, Stop Support for Hamas Act, uh, which would, in, in, in one aspect of it, was the money going through the United Nations. Since President Biden became president, $1 billion has gone to UNRWA. And that is an organization that has given money to Hamas. And we now, there's a report out today that members of the, the team, the staff of UNRWA, actually 
celebrated publicly on October the 7th when Hamas massacre, massacred innocent Israeli civilians. Yeah, frankly, this doesn't surprise me. UNRWA is a corrupt organization. In fact, the Trump administration said it was corrupt beyond repair, and that's why they said no more money for UNRWA, and so they cut that funding, which, as you just pointed out, Joe Biden then restored. The reason that that funding was cut originally was because UNRWA was housing Hamas people in their buildings. They were had facilities where they had uh, you know, people or weapons routed, they were storing for Hamas, they hired Hamas agents, they had textbooks that glorified terrorism. And that's why the Trump administration knew they should get, just cut this thing off. It's terrible. I've introduced with Senator Tim Scott my Stop Support Hamas Act, which would do the same thing. This Stop Support for Hamas Act would cut the funding to UNRWA because they cannot be trusted. They are basically a tool of the Hamas terrorist organization. That's been said before, not by me. And it wouldn't just stop there, though. It would also freeze the economic support funds going to Gaza and the West Bank until Israel has verifiably dismantled the terrorist infrastructure of Hamas and other terrorist groups. It would also strengthen certification requirements for the Palestinian Authority. We don't because there's a Palestinian one of the terrorists was found with a check from the Palestinian Authority in his pocket. We got to strengthen and crack down on that. It would also make sure any U.S. assistance to non-governmental organizations in the West Bank or Gaza are not hiring Hamas or other terrorist agents, not benefiting Hamas. And then finally, it would strengthen the Taylor Force Act, which goes after the pay-to-slave program that Hamas has for people who go attack Israel. You know, if you get captured or killed, they pay your family. And that's just, just a horrible program that we got to stop as well. So there's a lot we can do to cut off the funding for this, and this is a way to do it. I mean, it, it, this is U.S. funds. I mean, this makes yeah, absolutely no sense. Dollars. We're funding the very thing we're supposed to be fighting against. And, and I think, Senator, it's important for people to know that Hamas is not just, you know, you know, some kind of rogue group out there. That's the government of Gaza. Yes. They, they so are Hamas in power. Hamas elected in 2007 and never gave power back. Right. They, they also control Hamas, uh, control Gaza. And here's the other thing, right? It's not just Hamas. Iran is funding Hamas. And the Biden administration has also release the sanctions on the oil money going to Iran. That's given them billions of dollars. Under the Trump administration, Hamas was almost bankrupt. And now we've just given Iran, a nation who we know is dedicated to destroying Israel, and us, by the way, to a bunch of money so they can fund these terrorist organizations. So let me ask you this question, Senator Ricketts. How can the United States government give money to the people in Gaza and not go through the government of Gaza and this humanitarian aid? How does it get to the people and it's not going through the hands of Hamas? And Hamas is the government. Right. So what they'll say is that they're giving it to the U.N. through UNRWA and that UNRWA is managing this. But, but you just, but you just pointed out. It's you, not true. That's you just true. pointed out what UNRWA is doing with the money that they get from the United States as well. Yeah. So it's just not true. What it really boils down to is the Biden administration is just turning a blind eye to giving terrorists like Hamas our taxpayer dollars, and they don't want to take the steps necessary to be able to block it. I, they are utterly responsible for how Hamas gets funded through these different organizations. They are the ones that re-implemented the, the policy to give money to Hamas. It, it, no matter how much money you give Hamas, Hamas will always want to destroy the state of Israel. They're a terrorist organization. This is what they do. We must treat them that way, and this administration will not do that. They have a policy of appeasement, whether it's Hamas or Iran. They just don't get it. 
Uh, Senator, final statement here. We're, we're up against a break, but I would assume that this has bipartisan support to stop the funding of Hamas. I mean, right? I mean, it only makes sense. You would think. You would think. However, we haven't got any of my Democrat colleagues to get on it yet, though I am hopeful that some will come on board with this as we just introduced this bill. Uh, but, you know, you look at how Patty Murray just, uh, for the Democrats, blocked the implementation of the Israel aid package on the floor right. of the Senate. Uh, it, it just, uh, it's just dis disappointing to see Democrats play politics with uh, this very important subject. Well, keep fighting, Senator. Always great to have you on the program. Thanks for joining us. Great. Thank you. All right, Senator Pete Ricketts of uh, Nebraska. All right, speaking of, uh, well, what am I speaking? I don't know. I've got to be careful how I say this. Well, coming up next, a resolution in the House to censure Michigan Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib for her anti-Semitic anti comments. That's next. Don't go away. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clawson, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroicfaith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroicfaith. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to have you with us on this Tuesday. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Remember, if you uh, we've got elections today in various parts of the country. And so if you've not yet voted and you can vote, meaning there's something on the ballot, then you need to vote. And to find out uh, what's on the ballot or the candidates that are on the ballot, you can uh, see if we've got a voter guide for you, tailor-made for where you live. Just text the word guide to 67742. The House of Representatives advanced a resolution today to censure Michigan Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib for her pattern of anti-Semitic remarks following the brutal terrorist invasion of Israel last month. 
Now, Congresswoman Tlaib's rhetoric has increased in both intensity and extremism, leading to her recent social media posts that President Biden supported the genocide of the Palestinian people. Joining me now to discuss this and more is Congressman Rich McCormick. He serves on three House committees, including the House Foreign Affairs Committee and the House Armed Services Committee. He represents the 6th Congressional District of Georgia. Congressman McCormick, uh, welcome back to Washington Watch. Semper Fi. Semper Fi, good to be with you. So you offered remarks on the House floor calling the censure of Congresswoman Tlaib um, calling for it. Tell, tell us why you feel so strongly that such, such a censure is warranted. So we haven't voted on this yet. We will vote on it shortly, actually. Uh, first, we had to make sure that we didn't table it, and I'm happy that we didn't. I think we'll have bipartisan support because what she said goes far past the freedom of speech. I mean, look, I, I'm a Marine. I, I died for the right to, to give people the right to have freedom of speech. But just because you have freedom of speech doesn't mean you get to say anything you want from the floor or even from your personal account. When you are a con when you are a representative of the people of the United States and the body decides that what you say is too egregious to, to withstand, you can be censured. That, that is not outside of anything that's happened historically. Um, we check with the parliamentarian, we check with legal counsel, we check with Intel to make sure that everything we said was factual and correct. Uh, we did our homework. What she has done is basically when she mentions the river to the sea, she knows darn well that she's talking about the existence of Israel, that Palestine should replace the existence of a, an entire people, an entire nation. When she starts talking about Israel bombing uh, a hospital in the Gaza, uh, she knew that was false. And yet she did it knowing it would incite violence towards Jews who had Jewish people carrying Amer Israeli flags in America murdered. Let that sink in. You have hundreds of thousands of people all over the United States basically being hateful and, and threatening. And, and people got beat up because of their heritage. And, and no, I'm not talking about Islamophobia. I'm talking about anti-Semitism. Now, I'm not saying that we, we should have anything that's against the average Palestinian. I think the average Palestinian has been absolutely abused by Hamas. Uh, I think we should speak openly against that as well. But right now, I have never, ever in my lifetime and I look historic, I'm a big history buff. I've never seen the anti-Semitism that exists in the United States right now. It is as dangerous as anything I've seen, and the actions of Rashida Tlaib have actually encouraged that. I would agree 100%. It's a warning sign of what is to come if we don't address it and stop it. I mean, we saw here in Washington, D.C. over the weekend, tens of thousands marching on the White House, pushing on the gates, uh, yelling Allah Akbar and using the same slogans that uh, Rashida Tlaib used. Now, she says that her colleagues, and I, I'm assuming that includes you, are distorting, quote, and I quote her, distorting my positions in resolutions filled with obvious lies. What do you say to that? If you look at who she's quoting, she's not quoting some peaceful movement. She's quoting a very violent, despicable movement. The quote that she did, the river from the sea, that is from Hamas. That is from terrorists. That has a very clear indication. When she says, oh, I'm just, I'm just standing up for those people who are, who are not able to get relief. That has nothing to do with the river to the sea. It's totally out of context. She knows it. We know it. We know where it came from. We know what it represents. It's a total lie and propagation for her to say it means anything else but that. It means from the Jordan River 
to the Mediterranean Sea that the Jews shouldn't exist. They shouldn't have a nation. That's where that came from. That's where that phraseology came right. from, that the Palestinian country should be representing all that area. And she knows darn well that's exactly what it means. So her statements are statements of support for a terrorist organization. That that should not be tolerated by by someone who is a member of Congress to publicly support the actions of a terrorist organization. And it's not just pro-Hamas. It's anti-Israel. One of our most important allies worldwide, both strategically, tactically, economically, uh, the only democracy in that region, somebody who's friendly to us, somebody who have a vested interest in, somebody we helped establish in 1948 after the Holocaust. And now we just witnessed the second largest elimination of Jews since the Holocaust. And literally within 24 hours, she was despicable enough to, to talk anti-Israel slogans, anti-Israel statements, uh, anti-Jewish, anti-Semitic, whatever you want to call it. She's been despicable in her rhetoric. And, and that can only be seen as fueling the type of activities we saw on the streets here in D.C. over the weekend. Congressman McCormick, I want to thank you for joining us. Always great to see you. Thanks, uh, thanks again for your service, uh, both in the Marine Corps and to our country in Congress. Hey, November 10th coming up. Marine Corps right. birthday. Don't Happy forget birthday. to uh, thank your Marines. All God right. bless you. Semper Fi. Semper Fi. That's right. we got a birthday just around the corner. All right, folks, on the other side of the break, it's not just the pro-Hamas on the streets of Washington, D.C., and major cities all across the country. It's also on college campuses. But a new report connects some dots. Foreign funding, undisclosed by about 200 institutions of higher learning, also show that they have high levels of anti-Semitism. Is there a connection? Well, we'll talk about it next. Meg Kilgannon joins me. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clawson, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply 
and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins. Good to have you with us. The website is TonyPerkins.com. Lots of resources there for you, as well as contact information for our guests. And feel free to contact our guests and tell them you heard them on Washington Watch. All right, we've been talking about this. We're probably going to continue to talk about it because it's very problematic. As as I've mentioned multiple times, during my stint on the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom, one of the last uh, hearings as chairman that I conducted was looking at the rise of anti-Semitism in Western Europe. Now, our role was only looking internationally. We couldn't look at what was happening here in the United States, although you clearly see uh, what was happening on college campuses. But what we've seen in the last month, I mean, this is explosive And as uh, Congressman McCormick and others have talked about even today, this has to be addressed. The the warning bell should be going off because the attacks on uh, people of Jewish faith and descent, the ethnic Jewish people, is an early warning sign of increased hostility to Orthodox biblical faith. I don't think it's going to stop here. Historically, it hasn't, and it won't. We need to stand up and call this out. We need to defend not just the nation of Israel, but the Jewish people. This anti-Semitic rhetoric and these threats of violence, I mean, they've skyrocketed in the United States since Hamas attacked Israeli civilians one month ago today. On college campuses, such uh, chatter has been mainstay joining a toxic stew of anti-Christian, anti-American ideology from the left. But according to a recent report from the Network Contagion Research Institute, this rhetoric is more than merely an organic outgrowth from leftist professors and administrators. Instead, it suggests that foreign donors have showered campus leftists with cash. The report finds that more than 200 American colleges and universities did not disclose more than $13 billion in contributions from foreign regimes, most of them authoritarian. Join me now to discuss this is Meg Kilgannon, Senior Fellow for Education Studies here at the Family Research Council. She served, served in the Department of Education during the Trump administration. Meg, welcome back to Washington Watch. Always great to see you. Great to see you. Uh, alarming. Um, this report just out, I think came out yesterday, 
that we're seeing over $13 billion going to these institutions of higher learning that they didn't report. Why? Why would you not? Number one, they're supposed to report this requirement to see where this influence is coming from, but they didn't. Why? Well, you'd have to ask them, but it's either because they forgot or because they're ashamed of it or because maybe they're doing some research that perhaps is not, uh, you know, something that we would like to see it from our institutions of higher learning. So let, let me just jump right into this. The number one country funneling f- undocumented funds to college campuses in the United States, Qatar. Yes. Just so happens to be the home of many of Hamas's uh, leaders who are not living in Gaza. They're calling the shots from elsewhere, but Qatar sure. is one of the countries. Right. It, that, it's very interesting where the money is coming from. And, and, and Qatar is also the country that uh, we're doing the transaction, not we, the Biden administration is doing the transaction with Iran on the frozen Through. assets. Yeah. Right, right, right. So is that an oversight or is that a deliberate omission? You know, have, have, have they just simply forgotten to mention that they got uh, $1.3 billion from foreign donors. I mean, it's a lot of money to forget to mention. And, and I've done a fair amount in the Middle East on different things, and I've just never seen Qatar as a country that was really interested in higher education in the United States. <laughs> well, I mean, you're dealing with a university system in the United States that has uh, completely been absorbed by moral relativism, right? They're certainly mostly anti-Israel, and they're definitely a lot of them are anti-American. So the fact that they're taking this money and they're not disclosing it, um, it it's evidence that they're, they're, um, they consider themselves above the law. Um, or, or they just don't care to be held accountable for what they're doing. Um, we looked. We did a report on this at, during the the last year of the Trump administration. Reed Rubenstein was our general counsel, and he he did a lot of the oversight in this regard. And Senator Johnson, Ron Johnson, was was one who was asking a lot of questions about this too, and during the Trump administration, because we finally had people at the Department of Education who were going to look into this and ask questions. So we released a big report about this um, in in June of 2020, and uh, had there's a webinar. The report is still on the U.S. Department of Education website. There's a webinar there that explains exactly what we were looking at and why. And at that time, we were very interested in the money that was coming from China and right. going to research schools mm-hmm. that were colluding with Wuhan and doing gain-of-function research that had been, uh, you know, taken offline in the Obama administration and then put back online by Fauci through a sleight of hand. Well, China's number three on the list of undocumented uh, sources, uh, Saudi Arabia being right after them. I mean, that's that's uh, this. Sure. This should be troubling. And and this whole this whole stream of funding got underway during the original. You remember you remember back when the Democrats didn't like war? And, and when George, when we were doing the after nine eleven, mm-hmm. <laughs> those those things, right. they all there they were all anti war then, and so you had universities and and colleges struggling to to 
find purchase, uh, to, to looking for Islamophobia everywhere they could find it, right? right, looking for it everywhere. And so a lot of this funding was happening through programs where they were trying to um, educate Americans about, you know, how Islam is a religion of peace and we should all just get along and all of that. So that that's kind of the history of some of this. And over time, you see over the years, that was 20 years ago, here we are now, and they've got a lot of money streaming through those channels and organizations so that they I, set I wanna, up on campus. I want to go back to something you said a moment ago about the moral relativism and the anti-American uh, viewpoint that we see, we've seen on college campuses. So it, it's kind of like there's been this moral vacuum created, and, and there is there is no... There's no moral neutral ground. I mean, you, the, mm-hmm. when it comes to morality and it comes to truth, you're, you're going to have a stand. There's no there's no such thing as being morally neutral. Right. And so they pursued this. They kicked American exceptionalism off of college campuses. God had long been expelled. Mm-hmm. So should we be any surprised that it's been filled with this? I, I'm, I'm just going to say from a standpoint of just looking at it, inexplicable hatred yeah. for Israel and the Jewish people. Well, you can slaughter civilians in Israel, Hamas can, right? And then that has to be somehow put in the context of of uh, the fact that Israel is an oppressor or a colonizing nation or something, right? right? Somehow we have to, to, to allow that slaughter to take place. And then, and and the only kinds of activities we're going to condemn are just war. In response to that, that Israel, you know, now we're asking for like you know these pauses and things, well, it, it, that it, not allowing Israel to to defend themselves against terrorism. Right. So, so there there are those who are justifying Hamas's actions, saying that, that these were oppressors, and so in resistance. I mean, this is some of the language that even members of Congress have used. Right. We were just talking about Rashida Tlaib. Resistance. Well, let me just put it in the context of American criminal justice. If you have someone breaking in your house, you shoot them, protect yourself. That's one thing. But if you shoot them 45 times and you dismember them, right. that is not that's not protecting your home. Right. Right. And, you know, this the idea, the ideas that support this kind of moral relativism are are fruits of the the uh, critical theories that have have gone into our universities that have been the the project right. of of this Marxism, is fertile ground right? for this 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 idea that that a colonizer is is the oppressor that 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 automatically puts you into the oppressor oppressed d- di- dynamic right and so the people who are the colonizers are always the bad guys and the and the people fighting against them are always the good guys and so. Here we are. They consider Israel to be a colonizer. I, so, I Meg, disagree with that. Is this a um, is this an anomaly, or is this a candid picture of what higher learning looks like in America today in these Ivy League institutions? Well, I I think that um, in in the Ivy League institutions in particular, they really do seem to have gone off the rails. I mean, the the that activist groups on those campuses, the fact that you you have a hard time expressing any kind of Jewish faith on those campuses. Um, but I'm sure that if if someone were attacked for wearing in, uh, 
Muslim religious garb, that would be considered right. appalling by people on the campus. But harassing... Which is the uh, same thing with, you know, when it comes to speech. Everybody has speech except Christians. Right. Uh, so it, 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 And this is where I think we, we have to realize the spiritual alignment between Christians and Jews. Now, I, I understand there are t- two different elements. So I, I don't want people emailing me about telling me about theology, but <laughs> the reality is we come from the same faith. We would not, there would not be Christians if there were not Jews. Right. And, and so there's that shared hatred for them because they, they declare there is truth and we can know that truth. Right. And, and that's why I think we, if we don't defend uh, Jews and stand up to this anti-Semitism that we see spreading across this country like wildfire, it's going to be inflaming and engulfing evangelicals and other uh, people of faith, Catholics, right. um, you know, Protestants of every every denomination. Sure, sure. I, I, I was, as a Catholic, sad to see some of the Catholic universities on the list who had not made the disclosures. I mean, it's it's one thing if it's an oversight, and it's another thing if it's deliberate collusion with a, a government that is known to be hostile to the United States, and you know if you do disclose it, you're going to be asked questions about it, so they don't. Now, we, we, can't, we can't know from this report who is in that category, but we do know right. that the disclosures weren't made. Right. I mean, you would think if you are an institution of higher learning, you would know something about accounting <laughs> and reporting. Report filing, I, right. I mean, you're supposed to be teaching your students <laughs> to do these things. You would think that uh, they can. Now, there's going to be, or that, that, that you should, there, there's going to be a hearing uh, on this topic uh, this t- actually tomorrow, tomorrow here on Capitol yes, Hill. Yes, tomorrow on the House Judiciary Committee is holding a hearing at 10 a.m., and we'll, of course, be watching that. Um, and there were uh, Senator Rickett and um, Senator Rubio sent a letter with some other senators um, asking Secretary Mayorkas to look at the uh, visa status of students on campus who had participated in the Hamas Day of Rage because you could make the argument that they were uh, foreign, they were supporting a foreign terrorist organization when they did that. So if you're here on a student visa and you're supporting a terrorist organization, that's grounds to have your student visa revoked and for you to be deported. And so they asked for them to do that review. I I don't think it's been done, but I appreciate them asking about it because these are the kinds of ways that we can hold people accountable. Uh, Going back to this hearing tomorrow on the free speech on college campuses, in looking at this report that was just released that we're talking about, uh, that we've been talking about, is there a correlation or a connection between those campuses that received this foreign money where we, we saw a 250% higher incident of, right. is, of anti-Jewish uh, activity, but is there also a connection with uh, suppressing free speech? There seems to be. Um, correlation is not always causation, but this, this seems, to, that seems to relate. I mean, that's what they say in the report. That that these these you can't prove that there's a connection, but you also can't prove that there's not, right? Um, it makes sense that there would be a connection well, if you are incentivized by money to to host these these organizations. Uh, then, yeah, you're going to have some nonsense on your campus. 
And and let's not forget the great report that, that Chris Gasick did on uh, the left-wing anti-Semitism that was taking place on college campuses. They did that. He did that report right. in 2018. Right. That report is still good to, to this day. Um, and and the, the sources that he cited in that report are sources that they rely on in this new report. Um, and and they, they, go, they work well together in, in putting this issue into good context. Well, it, it's very evident that we have a problem. That is clear. Why we should all be concerned is that these institutions of higher learning, whether we like it or not, are producing the leaders of this yes. country for tomorrow. Now, I, I know it's their leaders well, coming from other institutions, but... And, and we're all being asked to pay for the student right. loans of people that are going to these super expensive colleges. They're not just, they're, they're elite colleges and they're very expensive. So I don't want to forgive the loans of the, of the kids that are up to this right. nonsense. It's not fair to anybody. Well, I go back to, uh, to, to our motto around here, pray, vote, stand. Right. We need to pray like we've never prayed before for this country. We've got to vote for godly men and women and make no apologies that we're going to vote for Christians. And we need to stand for truth, and we need to stand for what is right and what is just. Meg Kilgannon, always great to see you. Thanks for joining Thanks. us today. Good to see you. So next time, bring me some good news, will you? <laughs> All right, folks, we're out of time for today, but I want to thank you for joining us. And do pray for our nation and vote. Every time you have an opportunity, vote for biblical values and always stand firm for the truth. As Apostle Paul says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken that stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234. 